Coming up on episode 199 of Wheel Bearings, we talk about the Infinity QX55, the new Mitsubishi Outlander. Nicole goes to Texas for the Toyota Lexus Palooza and uh, shares some thoughts on the new Corolla Cross, the BZ4X EV, the GR86, uh, as, w- as well as the Toyota Highlander Bronze Edition. And Robbie went to Southern California to check out the new BMW i4 and iX EVs that are coming later this year. The uh, Nicole and I both drove the new 2022 Nissan Pathfinder, and Ford has unveiled its new compact pickup truck, the Maverick, starting at just $20,000. All coming up next on episode 199 of Wheel Bearings. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Did you know you can support Wheelbearings directly? Head to patreon.com slash wheelbearingsmedia and you can become a patron today. Your contributions will help fund the platforms and tools we use to bring the podcast to you. And exclusives and improvements are already on the way thanks to your generosity. So if you want to be part of an automotive podcast like no other, head to patreon.com slash wheelbearingsmedia. All right, this is episode 199 of the Wheel Bearings podcast. I'm Sam Abu-Al-Samich from Guidehouse Insights. I am Nicole Wakelin from Auto Bytel. And I am Roberto Baldwin from, let's say, Debugger this week. All right. Well, gang, we are back again. What have you been driving? I, I haven't been driving anything. Who wants to go first? Okay. Then we'll go with Nicole. <laughs> hey, I, uh, I'll go first since I didn't drive anything. <laughs> So it'll be super, that was okay. easy. It'll be, okay. it'll be super quick. I don't have much to tell you. Uh, I didn't drive anything this week. Um, um, I did go down and see the BMW i4 and iX for the very odd unveiling. Um, since we kind of seen pictures of it before, it was mostly just kind of telling us about, you know, the specs and letting us sit inside and touch it and, and do that sort of thing. And I will, I will say, um, just from sitting inside and touching things and looking at it in real life. Um, it, it, it's, it's BMW. I think that they're, you know, it, it, they're, they're trying to steer away from the i3 of the past, which again, I love the i3. I think it's goofy and fun and it's a concept car that someone decided just to put on the road. Uh, <laughs> but with the i4 and the iX. And it's the cheapest, it's the cheapest carbon fiber car you can buy. Exactly. And you can just cruise around town. It's horrible for the highway. You shouldn't, you know, I, every, yeah. every once in a while I see someone like on i5 in the middle of nowhere driving it. I'm like, oh, you've made a mistake. But if you're just cruising around town, uh, no, it's it's a great little car and it's all quirky inside. And um, but yeah, the iX, the i4, they are they're they are essentially you know it's a four series, it's, it's a it's a, a an X3, X5, and it's very they're very nice. The the iX has this like wood like center console with like the buttons kind of underneath it, and you know that little that little uh, that little twist wheel that they have in there. It's like all you know crystally. Anyway, it's it's they're very fancy. They're very nice inside. They're very much just BMWs that happen to be, um, 
electric and are uh, just slightly fancier and s with with a little bit of flair to, to let you know it's electric but not too much well i know one of the variants of the i5 they're going to offer uh is going to be the first electric m badged uh model uh, and uh the, you know what can you tell us about the performance of that one so well actually both um the ix will have a, the m model first I'm oh, sorry, so the I, I, the, the i4 will have the M model first. Sorry. Um, yeah. it, it, a reminder that I, it's early for me when I do the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so there'll be an i4 M50 with uh, 536 horsepower. It'll be all-wheel drive. And uh, it'll uh, it'll be uh, pricey, starting at $65,900. Um, so That's actually not bad for an M. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's you know, it has a range of 240 miles, so you're losing some range. The uh, the regular i4 will have a range of about 300 miles, um, but you you know what you lose in range, you gain in fun. Um, so that's that's sort of the trade-off you have to you know if you want something that's 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 fast and quick and fun and you're going to lose some range. I mean that's the same thing with 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 gas vehicles. If you, you and you still know. too, you said 249 mile range. How often do you need more than a 249 mile range? You know. Yeah, yeah, you're just pretty cruised, rare Yeah, you're not. You're, I'm sorry, everyone, but you're not going anywhere. Um, <laughs> the, the, the sort of downer was both all the vehicles only have uh, support DC fast charging to 200 kilowatts, um, which is, I mean, Hyundai's doing 350. Everyone else is, you know, uh, Tycon's doing, you know, three something. Everyone's up there in the 300s and, and the BMWs are down to 200. Um, and, you know, they said, you know, they've been working on these for a while. So, yeah. But the, uh, but yeah. But at least you know these are the first BMWs to offer you know a, a long, a greater than 200 mile range. You know, which I think was one of the reasons why they opted not to launch the iX3 here in, in North America because its range would have been under 200 miles. You know, on the EPA test, and I think that you know that's why they said, okay, we'll we'll sell it in China and we'll sell it in Europe. You know, where you know there's more. There's not as much demand, not necessarily as as much of a market demand for longer range EVs. Yeah, no, it, they, you know, they're, they're pulling. You know, a lot of uh, these companies are sort of putting the smaller, uh, uh, lower range vehicles in other countries, Europe, China, just because in those in those markets, it, people are like, oh yeah, that's fine. But the United States, we we're a big country, so we need a big mm -hmm. battery. Um, <laughs> yep, <laughs> that's a honeycomb uh, reference for all the uh, Gen X and Boomers out there. Um, but yeah, so, so you're, you know, you're looking at these, these larger cars, you know, 240 to, to 300 miles. And, you know, again, there's, these are, these are, are, are definitely set up for the, the, the BMW driver who wants to go EV, but doesn't want that weird quirkiness that the i3 was. And, uh, and, and so, you know, they'll, they'll both be out in the first quarter of 2022. There'll be a, uh, an M ix the m60 that'll have 600 horsepower um so if you want a 600 horsepower electric suv that's coming from from bmw because people love fast suvs nicole and uh <laughs> i don't know what you're talking about like, what i have you, no idea what you're talking about what are you talking about <laughs> uh yeah and, and they're, they're doing that same thing that that almost the same thing that mercedes is doing they have that big giant single piece of glass with multiple uh, displays underneath, which everyone's very excited about, and you get in, you're like, oh, it's three displays under one piece of glass, or it's two, dis you know, in the BMW, it's two displays under one piece of glass, and you're just like, oh, okay, fine. 
giant piece of glass gets you all excited. You're like, oh, wah, wah. Look at this giant piece. Of, yeah, it's not one giant display on, in either the BMW or the Mercedes. It's one giant piece of glass with multiple, multiple displays underneath it. So you're just like, oh, yeah. oh, okay. And, you know, Mercedes did that uh, on the previous generation E-Class, or I guess maybe it's still the current generation. And whenever they launched, when they launched the, the latest E-Class like five or six years ago, they, that, you know, that was the first one they did that did that with two large displays under a single pane of glass. And, you know, that's starting to become more common. It, you know, when it's off, it just looks like a solid sheet. Yeah. Giant black mirror. Yeah. <laughs> But you know, to to what you're saying about the pricing, you know, uh, what I think sixty eight, sixty nine thousand dollars, that's actually cheaper than an M4, the the new M4, which starts at seventy two, and you've got more power, although obviously more weight as well mm-hmm. for the the battery. But you know, the M the M4 is four hundred and seventy three horsepower. You've got five sixty three in the i4 M50, mm-hmm. whatever, you know, uh, which you know I. And I suspect that the acceleration, I think the acceleration is probably like in the mid three second range with that one. Um, I don't think they actually, they, they told us the numbers for the IX. Um, okay. So the IX, the zero to 60 in about 4.2, 4, I'm sorry, 4.6 seconds. Um, but okay. I don't think they gave us uh, range numbers for the I, or no, I'm sorry, uh, zero to 60 numbers for the I4. Um, but it's, you know, and, and you also get, you know, you get the federal tax incentive. Than any sort of local and state tax incentive, so you're you know you're pushing this sixty you know let's just say thousand dollar destination sixty seven thousand dollar you know thing down to sixty thousand and then whatever you know random extra taxes you you get off in your your local you know fifty eight thousand so yeah you're you're it's it's kind of a deal yeah I think you know what we're starting to see now finally is EVs that you know com- compared to their gasoline equivalents. Uh, at least in the the mid to high end of the market, not so much at the the entry level mm-hmm. part of the market yet, but at least in the mid to high end of the market, they're being priced equivalently to you know, or in some cases even a little bit less than their their gasoline equivalents, you know, which is the first first time we've seen that. So uh, clearly, you know, these manufacturers are starting to get more aggressive about this. You know, they've found ways to cut cost uh, on these things and and get more aggressive about trying to sell them. Yeah, and as battery technology as it gets as it gets denser, and they can keep that 250, 300 mile range um, out there with you know as as their 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 um, their slurry gets to, well, they're using the little batteries in in the, in the BMWs anyway. But their as their 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 chemistry gets denser and more energy efficient, you know the batteries get cheaper, and so as mm-hmm. the batteries get cheaper, those prices are continue to to go down. So. You know, I think we're a few more years till parity to pricing parity, like equivalent to, to equivalent without any um, sort of uh, uh, federal tax incentive. And then if, you know, and then we'll have the federal tax incentive and then it'll just sort of be a no brainer to buy an EV because it'll be so much cheaper than a regular you know gas car for, for, for most people. Again, if you're that guy who drives 500 miles every day, don't yell at me on Twitter that, well, every day I drive 773 miles. I'm like, OK, then it's not for you. Leave me alone. <laughs> Right, yeah. right. I mean, as long as long as it fits your lifestyle, yeah. you know, it's it's now really become a becoming a viable option from you know from a from a capability standpoint and a pricing standpoint. Yeah, yeah. No, it's 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 pretty crazy. But I didn't drive anything. So what do you think of the? <laughs> yeah. So what do you think of the design of the i4 in person and the iX? I, you know, it still has that. You know, other than the giant grill, 
I, I, I like them. I think the i4 is just like a nice traditional sleek, uh, you know, four-door sedan. Um, the iX is a little bit, you know, it, it seems a little bit uh, more, um, I, I don't want to say sleek again, but more sleek than, than you know, the, the, the X3 or the X5. I think has, the, the roof line's been uh, sort of uh, adjusted. Um, but that giant grill, those giant kidney grills, you know, BMW came out with it and everyone's all boom. BMW was like, you know what? We're going to do what we want. We're BMW. And so, so, you know, and love them or hate them. Those giant kidney grills are still there. Um, they're, they're not really, even though they're even less necessary now than they were. Right. Let's make them bigger and more aggressive and more in your face, even though we don't need that. They're, they're, they're not (laughs) necessary. They have, um, they have actually, um, air vents underneath it on both vehicles that open and shut to adjust, you know, airflow and to, you know, to, to get some nice drag coefficient. So they don't really, I mean, they, they said that they, well, they, behind these are, you know, they're, they're, we need, you know, these are, these are important because we can put the radar and all these other sensors behind them. I'm like, you know, you can put the radar and sensors behind literally anything. It doesn't have to look like Bugs Bunny. Yeah. Um, but, you know, as soon as you, like when you see EVs where they, you know, there is no grill on the front and people are like, I don't like that. Oh, it's all flat. It's all just a piece of metal. It's all, so I guess what are you going to take it off and then have everybody complain and moan that, you know, oh, it doesn't look like a BMW now. Yeah, you know? yeah. And, and, and that's sort of happened with the Kona Electric. I like the Kona Electric a lot. Right. I like the Kona a lot. Uh, the Kona looks better because it has like a grill and the Kona Electric just sort of looks weird because you're just like, well, See? what's going on? And I'm like, you're Ugh. that guy. You're exactly. saying it looks weird because it's it does. flat in the front. <laughs> I'm the guy who's just like, oh, well, maybe you should have thought of something else to put up there. I don't know. Like a like a lightning bolt or... Yeah, I mean, you know, you've, you've, you've got these two extremes. You've got Tesla that just does a, a flat front with no adornment at all, which I also don't like the look mm-hmm. of. And then you've got BMW with these massive faux grills. <laughs> you know, there's, there's got to be something somewhere in between Porsche. there. That the is, Porsche. Is, yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The, the Taycan, I think, is a, is a great solution. You know, yeah. you know even, even the Mach-E, you know, it's a little, you know, it's more bold. It's not as... It's not as ridiculous as, as the BMW, you know, in the way they've done it. But, uh, you know, I think it's it's got some character to it. Yeah. Some, someone asked me I how come agree. the Maki looks like a salamander. And now I cannot stop thinking about that. So now <laughs> that's in everyone else's head. I'm, I apologize. The Maki. Nice. I am, Thanks, Roberto. By the way, I'm seeing a lot of Makis in my neighborhood. I've seen five in the last uh, week. And I've seen. I have not seen a single one in the real world except for one time when I was in Detroit. I've seen three uh, ID4s. So um, in my uh, anecdotal, uh, unscientific, <laughs> the Maki, which I think has been released quicker than the ID4 because of software issues with Volkswagen, uh, is outselling the ID4. Uh, what did I say? Five to three. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and the uh, another interesting tidbit of information about the Maki that came out the other day, um, through the beginning, through the end of May, they've actually produced more Mach-E's this year than they have gas Mustangs because they've, they've been prioritizing, trying to prioritize production because of the chip shortages mm-hmm. for newer models like the Mach-E and the F-150, to, at least to the extent they can for that one, um, but, and, and the, the Bronco Sport, trying to prioritize those newer models rather than the ones that have been a, around for a while. So they've actually built more electric Mustang-badged vehicles than gas-powered ones. Huh. Wow, crazy times. Crazy, crazy. crazy. Yeah. But yeah, I'm seeing them around. The people seem happy, I guess. You know, they're driving, you know, they, they take. 
They're not crying behind the wheel like it's a good sign. You can tell they're using that EV torque. They're still having fun taking off, you know, at the stoplight. They're like, there's no 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 parts falling off while they go down the road. They're not running into Jersey barriers. Yeah, they're not. Yeah, there's not. The bumper's not falling off. You know, none of the (laughs) some of the issues you have with some other cars. Uh, just the, t- the Model 3. I'll just say. Can't imagine who that could be. Model 3. The Model 3 had a problem with the bumpers yeah. coming off, if you didn't know. Um, yeah. And then Tesla. Yeah, small uh, issue. Tesla, Tesla uh, admitted that there was an issue. It was just, yeah. you know, it, but it was just when you're going through puddles. Just don't drive through water. Come on. Just avoid the yeah. water. Well, I mean, the, well, I mean, it's not like it ever rains in California. So, you know, and that's where they sell most of the Teslas. So yeah. If, it's perfect. If you, it's no problem. If you learned anything from Tony, 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 it's that it, it never rains in Southern California. Yeah. That's a deep cut from Roberto. Thank you. One wow. more, one more for Gen X. <laughs> Millennials, look up Tony, 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 uh, and then enjoy the rest of the day because they're an amazing uh, uh, New Jack Swing um, group from the '90s and '80s, I guess. Yeah. All right, uh, Nicole. What about you? What have you been up to? This yeah, week? bringing it back to this year, uh, the tw- <laughs> the uh, 2022 Mitsubishi Outlander I had. And uh, still in my driveway right now, covered with pollen. It was really pretty white. Now it's like this white, yellow, gross mess because, you know, spring in New England. Uh, I like this. And I almost feel like people are like their jaws are dropping because Mitsubishi gets a lot of criticism for their cars not being as fancy, as nice, as quiet. Like, And they've deserved some of it. But this is good. I really like the Outlander. This is the... SEL, which is technically their top trim. They have three trims, like ES, SE, SEL, and then they have launch edition versions of the top two that add extra as, goodies. As you must in 2021. As you must, or are you even making cars? Um, so I don't have the launch edition, but I still have like the top normal trim, I guess. Um, it's beautiful inside. In fact, I sat down and as a test, I said, because my family's in luxury cars and cheap cars and all these things all the time. So they see a pretty, you know, they're in the same revolving door cars that I am. They all bet that this cost about fifteen thousand dollars more than it does. Um, beca- That's impressive for for a Mitsubishi because yeah. they usually right. feel like they cost about fifteen thousand dollars less than no, they do. This one, as I have <laughs> right, and see that's the thing. Nor- like the fact that I'm saying I like this, I feel like everyone is like, "What did she put in her morning coffee?" There's no way, right? But this is thirty eight thousand five hundred and ninety dollars. So it's not super cheap, but it's like. It looks beautiful inside. It has like these quilted leather trims and it has a captain's chairs in the second row. And it's, it, it just, it looks like what it costs. Like it doesn't look like a cheap car and it doesn't feel like a cheap car. Like that was one of the things that like older versions of Mitsubishi's, they always kind of felt a little bit like a tin can. They were sort of rattly. Everything felt like it was kind of held together with like a little bit of, you know, chewing gum, maybe some scotch tape, duct tape around the, like behind the scenes, you wonder what was keeping it in one piece. Mm -hmm. You don't with this. It's very solid. Um, And I like driving it. It's got a 2.5 liter four cylinder, 181 horsepower, 181 pound feet of torque. And it's got a CVT. The, I I hate CVTs. I'm just going to say it like, but like, like every time I hate a CVT, but I feel like this one is fairly well muted. You know, you're not getting that. You're, you're not hearing like the engine noise suddenly sounding like intrusive and is my, you know, engine going to explode through the hood of my car if you mash the gas to get on the highway. Uh, so it moves out of its way. And like this, this thing seats seven up to seven people. If you get that bench seat in the second row. Mm -hmm. So it's not, 
tiny. It's not like a crossover. It's it's a proper SUV-sized vehicle, uh, and I enjoy driving it. Yeah, on record, I enjoy driving a Mitsubishi. That might be the first time I've ever said that in my whole life ever. Well, you know, I think one of the, the problems for Mitsubishi, at least particularly in North America, has been that most of the vehicles that they've been selling here recently, except for the Eclipse Cross, which is relatively new. I think it's about three years old now. Mm-hmm. Most of them were actually pretty old, yeah. pretty old platforms. They haven't really fundamentally changed, you know, in many, like in the, the case of the Outlander, I think that goes back to like about 2007 or yeah, 8. Yeah, I think it's about a decade since they, at least a decade since they've redone yeah. this. I mean, they've, they've refreshed the, you know, the fascia and things like that over time and did some minor interior updates, but it's basically an old platform. Mm-hmm. Now, the this new Outlander um, is actually one of the first products produced since... Mitsubishi became part of the the Renault Nissan Mitsubishi Alliance. Right. So it's essentially what, like a Nissan Rogue. Yeah. Underneath it's exactly a Nissan it Rogue. Out, the skin is like Mitsubishi. The the innards are a Nissan Rogue. Um, so like if you compare it to the Rogue, like a lot's the same. It has the same engine, same horsepower, same you know CVT and stuff. The Rogue is a little more well mannered, a little bit more upscale, feel a little bit quieter, I think, riding on the inside, um, and has a little bit more get up and go, but it weighs a little bit less than the Outlander. Mm-hmm. So you know, you kind of would expect that. It doesn't feel like oh, they they messed up the Outlander. No, it's just bigger, so it's not going to yeah. move as fast and as sprightly with the same powertrain in there. Uh, but yeah, it's it's basically like a reskinned Nissan Rogue, and I like the Rogue, so I guess it's not a surprise that I like this one too. And it, it's. I like the the design. I think I think it's a good looking vehicle, and um, you know I think part of it. You know, you mentioned that you can seat up to seven in this. You can't get a third row option in the Rogue right. anymore. They used to offer one for for a few years, but they can't. They don't now. So you know that's where some of that extra weight comes from. You you know you were mentioning the CVT being at least more refined than typical. Yes. Uh, which again is is one of those Nissan things. Nissan I think does a generally does a better job with CVTs than pretty much anybody. So, uh, you know, it's not, not surprising that, you know, it was less unpleasant than, than most, uh, most CVT uh, powertrains. Yeah, it's nice to see Nissan, uh, I'm sorry, not Nissan, uh, Mitsubishi, like, bringing a new car here when it's new. Because uh, the, the, uh, the Outlander <laughs> Hybrid that they announced um, earlier this year is actually the last generation Outlander. So they... they <laughs> So it's like a two or three year old car that they're bringing well, they the hybrid, updates. and it's just they they're did just like, the, okay. They did some stuff. They like last year they had they what did they do? They increased uh, the range went up by like the electric range went up by like two miles, but they gave it a little bit more horsepower for twenty twenty one. A little bit more oomph, yeah. just a skosh, a little bit more oomph. Um, and they say the twenty twenty two version is supposed to be here this year, sometime later this year. So they say. I don't know what later this year is. It's June. Yeah. So, okay. We're halfway Sometime through between the... July and December. Yeah. December 31st, right. and could... December 31st. Right. Yeah. Technically, it came later this year. We'll, 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 get, we'll get the December deliveries report on January 3rd, you know, and it, there'll be three Outlander three. hybrids. <laughs> so, yeah. technically, they, they will have made their announcement. Yeah. Um, oh, but yeah, I think there's, you know, I think the Kia Telluride put all these companies on notice, though. All these automakers on notice. Yeah. So you have to like bring it if when you when you're when you're putting out these new large SUVs, and you know if you want if you want to compete with them and just feeling like a nice interior, you you got at least try 
a little harder. Yeah. And I th- that's the thing. I think, you know what, it's almost like Mitsubishi heard the criticism about, you know, your regardless they look a little they don't look very exciting on the outside the styling needs some updating and they feel cheap and like kia with atelier approving i we can build an inexpensive car we can build a car that's affordable relative to other cars in the segment and it doesn't have to feel like you went shopping in the bargain basement second section Mm -hmm. you know you you can get one that looks and feels not just in materials but just the drive the ride the handling the quietness the smoothness of the suspension system all of that feels good. Like you don't have to spend a fortune to do that. So if Kia can do it, other guys can do it. Everyone has engineers. Everyone has the smarts. Everyone has the tech. You just have to take the time and make it a priority. And I really feel like uh, Mitsubishi did that with this. The Outlander is really good. And the pricing, like it starts at just under 26 and tops out just over 35. So $35,000 for a good-looking SUV that can carry seven people, mm-hmm. that's a good price for what this is, you know? And 2500 yeah. start. I mean, I'm 2500 25000 starting. <laughs> that's a great spot for people who, you know, for families who, you know, they need that extra space because they have a lot of kids, but they don't have a lot of money. And so the, the idea right. that they can get a third-row SUV without, you know, shelling out, you know, $35,000 is... is, is is, I feel uh, like nice. you, so it's, fi- yeah. it's finally a Mitsubishi that you would you might actually want to go out and buy rather than just say you know oh it's the last rental car on the lot uh, I right. guess I'll take it <laughs> yes yeah. like if you if you had this sitting there and you said you know you can pick from different cars it wouldn't be like well okay fine if I have to drive that rather than walk I will take it I would right. actually say no I will drive that mm-hmm. and you know you can't underestimate for a family like you were saying Roberto. There are people who want big SUVs, not because they need to pack it full of stuff or they're going on these grand adventures. They literally just have, you know, three kids and they want to be able to put the kids and their friends in the car and they need a little bit of room for groceries and, you know, sporting equipment, whatever. But they don't have the money to spend on a big bucks, huge thing that's, you know, has all the fancy. They just need a vehicle that will make it easy for their family to live. And this does that, like $25,000. That's that's cheap for something that can take your entire giant family out there or your kids and their friends. That's that's a good deal. Yeah. Screaming deals from Mitsubishi. Who'd have thunk it? Screaming deals. <laughs> <laughs> All right. With uh, a, a slightly less screaming deal, I had the, uh, the, <laughs> the 2022, and this is... I, I think this might be the first 2022 model I've had. Uh, a 2022 Infiniti QX55 sensory all-wheel drive, uh, because you know you can't just call it premium or limited or platinum anymore. It's got to be something unique. Uh, but so the the QX55 you know, is the the latest from Infiniti, which is uh, it's basically a, a QX50 with the back of the roof line sliced off. So you, you know, a QX50 with more of a fastback. And when they did the launch of this vehicle a few months back, and you know when they announced it, they Infinity kept bringing up the the original uh, FX, you know, as kind of the inspiration for this because the the FX when it came out, I don't know, somewhere around 2000 or so, was kind of the 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 first of the sort of coupe like SUVs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it it was the original FX was built on Nissan's FM platform, which is the same platform that underpinned cars like the Z, the Nissan Z, and um, the the GX, uh, the Infiniti GX, and and assorted other rear wheel drive vehicles that were actually quite fun to drive. They were quite uh, quite engaging to drive. 
Yeah, and you know the FX, you know, basically just took that, jacked it up a little bit, put a, an SUV-ish body on it, um, and one of my, fa- I think probably my favorite Infinity of all time was the FX50, which later became what the QX70, I think, when they went to the QX badging, um, uh, and I mean that thing was a hoot to drive, you know, with that that big five-liter V8 in there. Uh, this. You can see some of the FX design inspiration in there. Uh, I actually do really like the design of this thing. I, I think it's I think it's you know quite attractive, uh, more so than the the QX50. Uh, you know, and you you give up a little bit of potential cargo space in in the back behind the seats. Uh, second row, you, you don't really give up anything because the the shape of the roof line you know pretty much retains the second row volume um you just give up a little cargo space in the back but you know they've done some some other touches to it the the tail lights and the headlights are a little bit different have that sort of feathered look in the in the lights um in the signature lighting you know which i think is you know it's a kind of a unique infinity uh design touch um you know so i think it looks good the powertrain you can get it with front wheel drive or all-wheel drive uh, the only engine in here is the Nissan's two-liter variable compression turbo, um, which we've talked about in the past. You know, this is the one that can uh, vary the compression ratio between, I think, about eight or nine to one, up to as high as fourteen to one, uh, through a, a rather complex mechanism at the in the bottom of the crankcase. Um, at two hundred sixty-eight horsepower, two hundred eighty foot-pounds of torque, as long as you leave it in normal or sport mode. It's great. Um, I would definitely not recommend putting it in eco mode uh, because in eco mode, it seems like it just keeps the the uh, uh, the compression ratio at whatever the minimum is. And it, when you you know go to accelerate away from a uh, you know when a light turns green or you know from a stop sign or something, it can be a little sluggish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, there there was definitely some slowness to respond in that case. Um, so I just put it in sport mode all the time and it was fine. It was, it was quite nice to drive. I think, you know, there's plenty, plenty of performance here. It's certainly no big honking V8, but you know, it, I think for most people it's, it's more than adequate. Um, you know, this one had uh, 20 inch wheels. Um, it has, uh, Infinity's, uh, direct adaptive steering system. Um, the, the sensory is pretty much the, I think the top of the line fully loaded, uh, uh, version with pretty much everything in it, uh, including the ProPilot Assist system, heads-up display, traffic sign recognition, all that good stuff. Um, I think you know I like the size of the QX55. You know it's you know it's kind of that compact to slightly mid-size um, size class. You know not not too big. It's definitely you know five passengers. No no thought even of a third row. Um, you know, so this is similar, actually maybe even a little bit smaller than the Rogue, uh, size wise. Um, it still has Infinity's dual touchscreen infotainment system, which is <laughs> never been crazy about it. What? You don't love <laughs> yeah. that? No, I mean, you know, I think it, it fun- functionally that was sarcasm, it's not, Sam. <laughs> yeah. it, you know, a part, part of the issue is, you know, you've got these two separate touchscreen displays that they, they, they're totally mismatched, you know, in the way they look. Like one, the top one, or the, sorry, the top one or the bottom, one of them is much glossier looking than the other one. You know, it just doesn't look right. 
Um, I don't know what they were thinking with that, um, but at least for the top screen. So you know, they split the the media stuff. You know, so if you're using uh, CarPlay or Android Auto or radio or whatever, all that stuff uh, or or navigation, that stuff turns up, shows up in the top screen. The bottom screen is mostly relegated to controls, climate controls, and and uh, settings and things like that. Uh, so you're mostly using the top screen anyway, um, which is up closer to your line of sight, but it's also further away from you. But Infinity does have a, you know, it, it's a touchscreen, so you can use it as a touchscreen, but it's just a long reach. Mm-hmm. But they've also got a central control knob that allows you to control all that stuff as well, which I, you know, I prefer using, you know, in this kind of scenario. Um, the price tag on this thing, uh, all in, including delivery, 58975 bucks. So, you know, closing in on 60 grand for this, I'd be, you know, I, I, I like it. You know, I think the. I know, wish you could see base, Sam's face versions. as he started. He's like closing in 60 grand. There's like this like grimace that you guys couldn't see yeah. before he said anything else. <laughs> you know, I mean, they start they start under 40 grand for a front wheel drive, the base front wheel drive version. And, you know, I think if you're going for, a, a, you know, an entry to mid-level version of this, you know, it, I think it's an, a really nice premium crossover. Um, you know, getting up into the $60,000 range, I'd have a hard time recommending this against some of the, the competitors like, uh, you know, say a BMW X4, uh, you know, which is a similar size class or, uh, or you know, some, you know, or the Mercedes GLC uh, coupe, things like that. But... Um, you know, for, for what it is, you know, um, it, it's definitely good to drive. You know, I think it, it, it handles really well and it feels good on the road. And as long as you don't put it in eco mode, it's fine. It's all good. Just don't put it in eco mode. Yeah, definitely never put it in never. eco mode. Isn't that just kind of a rule of thumb, like for cars in general? It doesn't matter what the car is. Don't put it in eco mode. 99.9% of the time you well, don't d- want to drive yeah, it depends. that way. I mean, if, if you're, if you're, you know, taking a long highway road trip, you know, you can put it in eco mode. No, you, you can't. Know, not, Sam, you're lying. I don't think I've ever in my whole life willingly kept a car in eco mode for more than the two minutes it takes me to see how it drives in that mode. Then I'm like, oh, I'm I done. Use, <laughs> if I have a long drive, I'll put it. I'll put a car in eco mode. Because now, Do you but, really? But, I well, never use it. As, as I've gone from on staff to freelance, I'm like, oh, I got to pay for this gas myself. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. If you're paying for the gas. Okay. Okay. All right. The, if you're paying for the gas and you don't mind... Off. The the soulless drive offered by many in eco mode, then feel free. <laughs> but, I mean, uh, yeah. yeah, but if you're just like cruising like 70 miles an hour down the freeway for like hours on end, you're like, all right, I'm just going to put it in eco okay, mode. Okay, fine. Because I'm not doing anything exciting. Um, it, the variable compression, I remember when this came out, I mean, it was out, everyone was like, oh my God, this is amazing. But then the dividends that it pays off is just like, all right. I, 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 has it gotten. Have they improved it? Is it better? I mean, it's 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 no, it hasn't really changed. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's it's, they, it's this really great thing that they're doing. But then you're like, oh, we saved you get you save one or two miles per gallon. You're like, okay, yeah. okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the you know the the claim the claim for it when they brought it out was it gives you the performance of a V6 with the fuel economy of a four cylinder, um, which is mostly true. Uh, you know, I mean, it's it's EP, the the QX55 is EPA rated it. Uh, 25 miles per gallon uh, combined, 22 city, 28 highway. Uh, I think I got about 24 or so when I was driving it, which is which is fine. Um, it, it's not great, you know. I mean, this is this is not 
you know, this is this is not a vehicle. If, if what you're looking for is maximum fuel efficiency, you know, this this is not going. You know, any any of the vehicles that have this engine in there are not going to be the ones that that give you the you know that fuel efficiency you're mm-hmm. looking for. But you know, if what you know, if you were thinking about getting something with a V6, you know, and but you want something with better fuel efficiency, you know, it will give you you know two or three miles per gallon more than you might have gotten with a V6. It's generally a lighter solution than a V6. Mm-hmm. You know, the, according to Nissan, you know this thing, this engine is about a hundred pounds lighter than their 3.5 liter V6, which offers similar performance. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, that means you, especially on a vehicle like this where it's a transverse mounted engine, you've got less weight on the front wheels. Yeah. So that's that's a good thing. Um, you know, so it's going to handle a little better. Uh, it, it is a very smooth engine. You know, one of the, the Unique things when I first talked to the chief engineer on this engine when they launched it a, a couple of years back at the LA Auto Show, you know, he was explaining how it because of the the way the the mechanism works, there's actual actually less side loading on the pistons um, when when they're going up and down. So there's less friction, but there's also uh, le- uh, it's better balanced. So. They don't. They don't have to use a balance shaft on this thing. It is actually quite a smooth engine to drive. It doesn't vibrate very much. Um, smoother than, than um, Nissan's comparable four-cylinder engines. So uh, you know, it, it's it is quite pleasant to drive in that respect. So it you know, it's a reasonable alternative. I mean, it does add complexity to it. I'll be curious to see you know five, six, eight years down the road when these things have been around for a while, you know, how well they hold up because they're. There's a lot of stuff yeah. going on down there. It's yeah. It it it. I I, I kind of hope that the as time progresses, they they can like fine tune it and maybe like squeeze five ten miles out of it. Uh, you know, MPG and then maybe you know made it with a, a hybrid and then just make it super insane complex. But uh, I, the 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 technology I was all I was very excited about and just because you're like we're like we're very in the conversion. Like what? And my head exploded and I'm like yeah, you're getting two miles. A gallon. Oh, okay. <laughs> Wait a minute. Okay, well, this is really cool, though. You know, this is you know, you got to start somewhere, and that's 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 been my that's been my my position when it comes to the the variable compression Nissan engines. It's just like you got to start somewhere. Let's see where this goes. Come on. So they've started. They've started. Just give them a little time yeah. to to improve it, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think by by the time by the time they do that with this engine, they'll more likely have shifted to something electric or hybrid, though. And I, you know, I can't see them getting a whole lot more out of this particular engine. Oh, wow. uh, I think I think this is this is probably going to be a a relatively short-lived design. Yeah, you know, probably be. less than less than ten years. It's a cool science experiment. But, yeah, no, it, it is. I mean, as as an engineer, I love it. I think it's I think it's a a really interesting solution. Yeah. But you know, from as a as a product, yeah, yeah. as a know, nerd, it's, it's like, it's, oh my gosh! But as a like a consumer, yeah. you're like, eh. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Practically, yeah. everyone's like, this engine doesn't do anything to make my life better. Why? You know, engineers are like, but it's yeah. cool. It's cool. <laughs> I mean, you know, you get you get a Toyota Highlander hybrid, you know, that is significantly larger than this and gets 35 miles per gallon. Yeah, yeah. that's a tough. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. And you know what? Wait, I have to trip because I finally remembered to look at the MPG I got on my Outlander. Like everyone's criticizing yeah, what, these texts. Like you got to look. Okay, so I looked. Everybody. So it's rated twenty four city, thirty highway for twenty six combined. I beat that. I got twenty seven point eight combined, um, so, and it was like probably a fifty fifty mix of driving for me between go driving on the highway and driving just around town. So I I did. I feel like I outdid their you know average fuel economy. 
There we go. See, so everybody stopped sending me tweets saying I don't know the. Feel. I looked. I mentioned you, it. Done. And you didn't even put it in eco mode. So imagine, just imagine. I did imagine if, what you, if you imagine could imagine the fuel economy you would get if you drove it with a light foot and put it in eco mode. Because yeah. I did not do that. Yeah, we're not. Yeah, journalists <laughs> aren't typically light feet. That is not me <laughs> not in a, any way, shape, or form. That's not what people pay us for. You're like, well, I'm gonna baby exactly. this car. You're like, eh, that's not. Yeah. Nope. 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 <laughs> you know, unless you're trying to do a range test with an EV yeah, or something like that. Put it on the magic cruise control. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Yes. All right. So um, why don't we shift next to, um, you know, something by the time this com- this show comes out, the embargo should have lifted on this, um, which is another Nissan based another nissan suv uh which i don't think you've driven robbie but uh nicole and i both have the uh pathfinder yes uh the 2022 pathfinder uh let's touch on this briefly what did you think of it i liked it i thought it was good i mean overall i was happy with it i thought it was i don't know that it's a ginormous improvement over the path over the path one the past one uh but I did think it was an improvement. I liked it. They, they let us do some off a little off-road course in it um, at the launch that I was at. I think you did it. Did yeah. you drive in Detroit, I think, Sam? Yeah, we yeah we, we took it to the Hollyoaks ORV Park Okay, and uh, tried it there. So you did it. So we drove it out in Montana, um, and they had like a little off-road course for us to do. And it was pretty – it handled it well. I mean, there was some – you know, if you're going to take your Pathfinder off-road, it can actually do pretty impressively, a little bit more than you probably think it could. Um, you know, it's, it's, I don't think people really appreciate what some of their SUVs can do. You know, they think that unless it's like all tricked out and all these extra things, you can't go in the dirt, you can't go up some rocks and you can, you can do pretty good in this. Um, I liked it. I thought it was nice to drive. I thought it was quiet. It was comfortable. I mean, it sort of checks all the boxes that you want for a family vehicle. So overall, I liked it. What about you, Sam? Yeah, I, I, I thought it was a uh, actually, probably a more significant improvement than it sounds like you thought uh, <laughs> over the previous generation Pathfinder. You know, certainly the the design I think is a lot more interesting. The old one was just kind of a mushy blob. You know, it was kind of undistinguished, if you will. Um, you know, I think this one it's got a little more aggressive look to it. They've Definitely. they've kind of they've they've tried to recall you know um, the essence of the original Pathfinder of the '90s, uh, early '90s, uh, or maybe it was even '80s. 80s i think um you know with sort of the the bulging fenders the blistered fenders uh they the those original that first generation pathfinder had the the three horizontal slots in the front edge of the hood they've tried to incorporate a little bit of that into the top of the grill of this thing yes you know, it's, it's pretty subtle I mean, most people probably aren't even going to notice it but but you know if you know what you're looking for in a pathfinder it's it's there um you know i think the the interior was certainly a lot better than the old pathfinder Glad to see Nissan has finally started to adopt better infotainment displays. Oh, One of the yeah. things I've complained about with Nissans for, for years is their that whoever they bought their displays from for their center screens, they they got like the worst, cheapest displays <laughs> that anybody could find. You know, they were dim, low contrast, 
you couldn't see them with sunglasses on. Uh, you know, they were just they were terrible. And like the Nissan Leaf and the Altima and others still use those displays. They finally have a, a better quality display in this one. And the the other big change, um, you know, is the the transmission. Um, they dropped the CVT from this one and went with a version of the ZF nine speed. Uh, which I, th- I thought was a lot better to drive uh, in this vehicle. I actually agree with that. The you know I've already stated my hate of CVTs, so I did like the nine speed, and it was uh, from that point of view, it was definitely much nicer to drive. I think that was a lot of why it felt like a quieter ride was a part of that was that it just because it has an actual you know gears and it's shifting, you don't get the same kind of whine. Uh, so I did like that, and I you're right. I'm remiss in mentioning that the infotainment was greatly improved the screen is very very crisp um that was a huge improvement the interface is still the same yeah you don't get it's not any easier to use than it was but it's easier to see it doesn't it looks even it just looks more refined it looks too mm -hmm. you know there's just because the, the clarity of the screen is better than before it looks nicer when you plug in your phone yeah, exactly. Yes. When you plug in, exactly. Your phone. Okay. When you when you when you plug in CarPlay or Android Auto, it's it's way better to use. It, it is. You can actually see it. It, it is amazing how how much a, a bad display sort of like takes a knock off a off a car. Whenever I have like like regular like my wife or other people get in the car that I'm driving and the display is not good, they're like, oh, what's that? <laughs> It doesn't matter what the car is, how wonderful or great it is. I'm like, this car's really good. And they're like, yeah, but look at this. I have to look at this all day <laughs> because you have to. It really to. does make – it's a huge part of it. It's this, you know, it, those screens dominate the dashboard in your car, and yeah. they're getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And if they're if they're crappy screens, there's crap dominating your dashboard. I don't think that's the first impression anybody wants their car to make. <laughs> yeah. So, so you know, the when the, the original Pathfinder came out, it was, you know, it was – it was clearly going after like the forerunner. It was looking. It was this this sort of off road beast. It was, it was more of a traditional body on frame SUV. Yeah, yeah. So you know they're they're talking about you know this return to to what it was, and you know you have a little bit of off roading, but it's yeah. It, are they? Is that just sort of like to get a few more people in so it feels like they're they're you know they're they're trying that and as opposed think, yeah. as opposed to really trying to to compete against the the uh, the forerunner. I don't think it's trying to be like this off-road monster yeah. or anything, but I think they genuinely want people to know, like the the what we were going over. You know, it was a fairly steep hill that we were going down, and it's just you know dirt and sort of those loose, not like boulder rocks, but you know loose rocks. If you don't hit them right, you're gonna you know slip and have to go back and try it again. Mm-hmm. So it it wasn't like super technical driving or by any means, but it was the kind of thing that if you had a, you know a vehicle that really didn't wasn't up for it. Like not every SUV would do that without you having to take five tries to go up that hill that you just came down five minutes ago. This made it up on the first try with everyone. And it made it up without a lot of fuss and a lot of finagling. And, you know, people didn't have to go backwards and come back down, which you'll sometimes see when they have you take an SUV just a little too far. Uh, People that aren't used to driving off road gets, get stuck and have to start back and just try give it another try. This didn't do that. And that's, you know, the number of times you see that on these programs when an SUV just can't quite do it because the driver doesn't have the skill. Mm-hmm. You didn't need the skill in the Pathfinder. It did what it was supposed to do and just kind of crawled over those little rocks. So hardcore off-roader? No. no. But if you really want to go in the dirt and you really want to take a little bit of adventuring and you want to, you know, go a little bit further than a typical SUV, yeah, it can do it. It definitely can do it. Yeah, I mean it'll it'll get you to a remote beach or you know down a down a trail to to a cabin you know to a lakeside cabin or something like that you know where 
you know, it's it's not not paved, you know, but as you said, Nicole, you know, not for the really technical stuff, yeah. but you've got thing, you know, you've got features like hill descent control and um, drive modes with like mud and rut and and snow modes. Uh, so, you know, it'll it'll get you through most of the stuff that most people are ever going yeah. to encounter. Um, I mean, mo- I can tell you, 99.99% <laughs> of Pathfinder buyers are never going to go to a place like Hollyoaks ORV Park right. you know, or, or any any other place like that. But, you know, if you get into, you know, some slightly rough stuff, it, it'll generally get you through. And, and, you know, I mean, this this is a competitor for, you know, Hyundai Palisade, Kia Telluride. Mm-hmm. You know, it's in that size class, that that weight class. And, and I always so think too, like even though they're they're different, they're kind of the same in some ways. Like if you're buying an SUV and you live someplace where it snows a lot, um, not like snow is crawling up, you know, rocks on a you know on a dirt hillside in Montana, but you still, you know, you that it has the capability to do that and that it handles well and does that kind of thing. When you do have really crummy weather and you're driving through, you know, those berms of snow that are half snow, half ice, half sand, whatever your, Mm -hmm. you know, highway department has thrown on the roads (laughs) and you're trying to get through that stuff. It, it bodes well for it being able to do well in the crappy kind of everyday diving that people have to do where it snows. So even though we didn't get driving in the snow, it felt like a good omen for me to handling well in bad weather. You get confidence. Oh, and and yes, yeah, and and speaking of this, this being a family hauler, um, you know, one of the the interesting features that they have on this that I just remembered is um, for the second row seats. If you put child seats in there, you, you know. The last thing you want to be doing if people are trying to get in and out of the third row is have to remove your booster seats or child seats from the second row seats to get in and out uh, and then have to put it all back. The The way these second row seats are set up, you can put in the child seat, and then when you release it, the whole seat tips up. and So you have room to access the third row without having to remove the kid's seat oh. from that. It, yeah, it's it's a very nice, a very handy feature. And you know what I liked um, about it too is you can there's I, and I'm trying to remember the buttons, but there is a button on the back of that seat. So if you're in the third row, like if for some reason you're using that third row as an adult, I, I think if you sit in very many third rows, everybody's been left back there once, and you're like, hey, can somebody let me out of the car? I can't reach this to get out. <laughs> yeah, one, there's a button release. Yeah, there's a button release, so it will put, so you can be sitting in the back in the third row, and you can hit the button and release it and go forward, so you can get out, so you don't have to wait for someone to remember that you're trapped back there so i actually like that you can do that and not wait for the driver to come around and let everybody out and and these will be available at nissan dealers this summer cool um i don't i don't remember the pricing information i'll have to find that uh and i'll add it in the show notes but um yeah so these, these are coming soon um so next up texas um, you spent some time in Texas this week, Nicole. I did. I'm calling it Toyota Lexus Palooza because it was all the Toyota Lexus things you could possibly want and the Lexus things we can't really talk some. about. But not, yes. not Toyota-thon? Um, not Toyota-thon. This was cooler than Toyota-thon because oh, okay. there was shrimp. No. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so they had – it was kind of as if uh, Toyota and Lexus said, look, we haven't done an auto show in a year, so we're going to create our very own – company auto show and we just spent the day at their hq we had product specialists we talked you know we got the reveals of all the cars we could get our hands on them take pictures see them play with stuff they showed us a lot of new technology um and there were i'm counting one two three four four different new i feel like there was a fifth one am i missing one on that list sam i don't know there were a lot Uh, there were a lot of cars that they revealed (laughs) is that right so they did 
the Corolla the GR86, yeah, the, L- the Lexus LFZ uh, US debut, the, the BZ4X, uh, the Corolla Cross. I felt like there was something uh, else. You're probably right. It was so many. It felt like you were. It oh, was... there, there was there was a special edition of the uh, Supra, the AC, A91CF edition. Maybe that's what I'm thinking fiber. of. Um, uh, there was a new TRD Pro Tacoma, uh, Trail Edition Tacoma, the TRD Sport Off Road Forerunner. Uh, all the the most important one of all, uh, or actually second most important, the Bronze Edition Highlander, and yes. then and then of course the Nightshade Prius. Yes, which which I'm gonna I, you know I'm the Prius is the Prius and they had this nightshade Prius and they did this presentation that was like behold the badass Prius I'm like you guys it's a Prius <laughs> it doesn't I appreciate that the black looks cool but it's the, still a the, Prius underneath the the, all the, up, that. the upside is at least you don't really see as much of the detail of the Prius design <laughs> oh snap it actually Ouch, disappears the Prius <laughs> it's it's a stealth Prius it's a so stealth yeah you Prius. don't see no one knows you're driving a Prius. Uh, but it was it was good. It was neat to see the the Corolla Cross was pretty was a good looking car, especially the inside. I felt like on some of these they stepped up the interiors a little bit, um, you know, because it, Toyota is a very mass market brand, and not all of their cars look great on the inside, especially in base you know base trims. I liked the Corolla Cross. Now we didn't get to drive any of these. We literally just got to you know crawl over them, look under the hood, see the interiors. Um, it was just like an auto show. Yeah. It was exactly like an auto show. <laughs> they even had little white sheets that they pulled off of things for us to Ooh. make it feel like an auto show. Yeah. They, and they had people guiding you with like next press conference this way as if there were other ones you could get confused <laughs> and go the wrong direction oh, no. to Toyota HQ when the, you know. Um, so it was good to see these and it, it did it did make you feel like Toyota's making a real effort to, to get some interesting things in the pipeline. There's a lot of special edition stuff. Um, but that, like you said earlier, Sam, like if you don't have a launch edition slash special edition slash bronze, red, you know, off road, limited, whatever edition, then you aren't really building cars anymore. Right. Um, right. <laughs> so um, I think the the funniest thing that I'm going to say, the BZ, B Z four X. The naming of this thing is just so ridiculous. Okay, what was great is one of the journalists in the group said, Hey, is so is your product team gonna come up with a name for this when it hits production yeah, that I doesn't that. sound I like a that. copier? <laughs> 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 yeah, I, I saw that and um Lisa, I can't remember her name, the uh pro the manager for the E V stuff explained that you know no i mean bz is gonna be our branding for beyond zero for our evs yeah yeah okay but okay so it's still not it's not too late to change that decision right and i'm sure everyone will figure it out but like you know you see car companies that are moving away from these like the alphabet soup numbers to actual names and here let's give it a name that nobody is going to be able to remember for at least a year we're all going to be like the b4 the z the x the long one like no none of us are going to know what it's called (laughs) So, uh, what, let, let's let's talk about that one first. Some more, the, you know, this is going to be Toyota's first purpose-built EV um, that they're launching. Uh, well, is it? Yeah, I guess they had they had the Scion IQ, the electric version of the Scion IQ, but this is really their first modern purpose-built mm-hmm. EV. Uh, you know, this you know this thing is a, a Rav four-sized crossover. What did you think of it? They showed it in Shanghai in April. Yeah, it looks good. I mean, it does look good. It looks very um, sleek. You know how we we're saying the Prius looks like a Prius, you know, and it's sort of mm-hmm. like this. This looks slick. Like they sort of took the idea that, um, you know, you you kind of don't want EVs to scream 
I am an EV, therefore I'm important. And, you know, they, you want them to sort of kind of look like regular cars with just some you, you don't, slight You don't modification. want virtue signaling? What's that? Yeah, you don't want virtue signaling necessarily. I don't think, I th- because I think the days of that are really going away. It's it's not so much, you know, when you were buying a Prius and that was the only thing out there, like that and one other hybrid, you were virtuous, virtue signaling that I have purchased a Prius. That's not the case anymore. You're just like, no, I'm, it, it's, I'm getting newer tech. I'm getting environmentally friendly stuff. And they've gotten away from that, that look. And I think it looks very, it looks very modern. It looks very sleek and it feels like a good choice. I mean, looking at it and seeing it, I thought it was an appealing car. And I think most of the people there said, yeah, it looks pretty good, even though it's named after like a copy machine. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Did did they they give any indication of how this thing was going to be priced? I don't believe that we got pricing. I should have opened up my giant 8,000-page document with information from this event, uh, but I don't believe we had pricing. Most of these things we didn't have pricing on yet. So. Yeah, I saw like a, a, a uh, more information as it like, we get closer to production, which is just like, well, you've already yeah. shown off the car. Now you're showing it off again. Please just give us like a little like an inkling of information, something. Yeah. It yeah, feels so this, like this one's coming next year. Yeah. yeah so this one's got a little ways to go. Yeah. But I feel like with the pricing, like just in their conversations with Toyota, when everyone was saying about all of these, you know, they're they're aiming to make even you know something that's an EV or even their snazzier fancier you know sporty things they're still trying to make sure that these are affordable cars you know they're not kia they're making not making the super affordable cars but they they're not trying to price themselves into suddenly we're a luxury car maker they have lexus for that you know so they're keeping that they're keeping things in a reasonable a reasonable realm given what the vehicles are yeah i mean this this is going to be an interesting segment to watch you know because by this time next year or somewhere you know middle of next year you're going to have this bz4x um you're gonna have the nissan aria they um there's gonna be the, the kia the hyundai ioniq 5 the kia ev6 uh the vw id4 and um probably some others that haven't been publicly announced yet um i think it, probably at least one from gm you know in this same kind of compact compact and mid-size crossover segment when you sat in it you know i think externally they said it's roughly the size of a rav4 did it feel roomier inside than a RAV4? That one we didn't. I didn't get into. Um, oh, but okay. it, yeah, but it it feels RAV4 sized. Mm-hmm. It ha- looks like it on the outside. From the outside, it looks squishier. Like it has like the dimensions don't look that quite that big. But looking at the inside, yeah, it looks like it's a little lower. Profile. It's yeah, it's like a it's little. It's, the profile is lower, but it doesn't seem like on the interior that you've you're compromised space wise. It's one of those sort of optical illusion situations. Like however mm-hmm. they've done it, it doesn't feel like suddenly like if you're sitting in the back seat and you're taller, your head's going to be hitting up against the headliner. So um, it, I I believe that like it seems like it could be a about the same comparable to the RAV4. Okay. Uh, near term, I think out of all these things that they talked about this week, you know, probably the one that is actually the most important product is the Corolla Cross. What is a Corolla Cross? Uh, it is a Corolla through and through, but it is a crossover. Hence the name Corolla Cross. Uh, they they did not they did not try to mislead you there. Uh, they you know they've they've said that this is. I think that it's going to replace what's that? They didn't say this, but I th- uh, what's CHR. That? Oh, that's thank you. CHR. 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 I think the CHR well, is going to. I think they actually said that the CHR was going to stay. You know, because this, this kind of slots in between the CHR and the, and the Rav Four. It does slot in between, so it has its spot. But I don't. I, 
it looks so much better than the CHR. Yeah. Good gravy. It looks so much better. Um, so, I mean, if I honestly, like how many, there's that, that point where you're like, well, if we change every vehicle by one inch and give each one an extra five horsepower, we can slot in 8,000 different <laughs> sizes of crossovers. How many do you need to slot in there? I feel like it seems like the Corolla Cross is going to be a better option to me than the CHR. So I don't know what I don't know what sale what sales will do when it comes out. You know, if if CHR is rocking it and Corolla Cross isn't, but I think Corolla has bigger brand recognition. People know Corolla. I couldn't for a minute there think what the heck the CHR was called. Like I have out, yeah. like you know another copier, um, but <laughs> I can remember Corolla Cross. You know, um, it it looks really good. The interior of this is fantastic. Like it really really looks good. Um, so I think, I think it's going to be a solid vehicle and I think it's cool to expand the Corolla lineup. You know, Corolla has a lot of history. It has a, a certain cachet to it. And I think that this will expand that. So I, I, I think Toyota's going to do well with it. I think it's going to do very well. It, yeah. I mean, they, they said they've sold something like 50 million Corollas right. since, since the original one debuted in the late sixties. Yeah. So it's like, like the Corolla has some brand history there. So it makes sense to where crossovers are all the rage right now to, to give one to Corolla, slap a, you know, to expand that. Yeah. Pull up, slap a Corolla sticker on there slow, and call it done. Pull up, pull a Mustang and, and throw the name of a, of an established vehicle on a, on a crossover. Exactly. And, you know, they'll, they'll keep it in line with a, the Corolla. They said, no, you know, this is a Corolla. We're not trying, you know, Corolla is affordable and fun and all those things. And they're trying to keep that aesthetic when they build a Corolla cross. It looks like they did. Again, we haven't driven any of this yet, but it, it, from appearances, it looks like that's exactly what they did. And, and this one's coming this fall, right? Yeah, this one's sooner. This one's not as far off. Yeah. It's it's it, it yeah like as you were talking about like the CHR and, and now the Corolla Cross is it going to eat into the CHR um, sales? I feel like it probably will. Um, I feel like it's going to cannibalize some of those. I don't see the very I, you know I see a few CHRs on the road, but it's such a weird like wait what is is that the which one is that the Honda or the the Toyota I, one? Uh, <laughs> I'm I'm not sure I've ever seen a CHR on the road around here. I mean, they're, they're... We have so few of them. I see them on rare occasion. Yeah. Do we see them up here? I think it's it's going to go to the way of the Honda Fit. I think what's going to happen is they're going to keep it around for a little while. The people who like it like it, but it's just going to go away. But the you know I think the Toyota the SUV that needs to go away is the Venza. Why is that? Why is the Venza a Venza? Why is that a thing? <laughs> you want the Venza to go? Yeah, it, it's 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 basically it's a nice. You know, it's, 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 it's a, a Rav Four. It's, it's a Rav Four with a, a a fancier looking body. That's on. it. And the Rav Four is fine, and it's a hybrid. That's uh, hybrid only. Yeah, no. Just, it's your, it's your, uh, yeah, it's your Rav Four for fancy people. Yeah, just get rid of it and keep the Rav Four. That's yeah. I mean, you know, through so through the first three months of this year, through through mar- the end of March, Toyota sold ten thousand CHRs. <laughs> uh, so that's that's about a forty thousand a year run rate, which is not not great, yeah. I mean, especially by Toyota. Yeah, by standards Toyota standards, that's what is you know for for what is effectively a fairly mainstream vehicle. You know, although the the styling is not that not that mainstream, um, you know, by comparison, you know, in that same time period, they sold sixty nine thousand or seventy two thousand Corolla sedans. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that's and I think that if I recall, I think they said that they're they're expecting probably about a third of Corolla badged vehicle sales going forward. You know, at least in the first year, are probably going to be this Corolla Cross. Uh, you know, so that's, yeah, that's, that's 
you know, that's going to that's gonna be selling in a lot higher volumes than the CHR ever. I think the CHR. Mm-hmm. And the CHR is fr- fr- front drive only in North America. They, they do an all-wheel drive version overseas, but, yeah. I don't think it's long for this yeah. world. I think it's, yeah. Like, I don't like either. The, I really don't. Like the fit, I think the Fit was a great little car. I think the great was, Fit was wonderful, but for, for this market, it's just like when I talk to Honda about it, they're like, the Fit sells this many, the CRV sells this many. Like what are we going to yeah. to, to do? I'm like, in this in this market, I'm like, all right. Well, I, I mean, when you throw numbers, when you're using logic and numbers, fine. Yeah. When you take <laughs> all of your numbers and you figure things out, whatever, fine. Get rid of it. Math. <laughs> well, you know, in 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 that same first quarter of this year, Toyota sold 114,000 Rav4s. Yeah. Jeez. So. They sold ten times more, eleven times as many Rav4s as they did CHRs. Yeah. That, yeah. Oh my gosh. The Corolla Cross is going to destroy the CHR. <laughs> It is. I, yeah. I think that, like, they're not getting rid of it yet, but um, I just think the right bean counters have to look at those numbers and do your little math there, Roberto, and that's the end of it. It's gone. <laughs> the one, one thing that did kind of surprise me about the Corolla Cross um, is that they, they did not announce a hybrid version at launch, uh, which you know, is, is unusual, I think, uh, for Toyota right now because they have a hybrid version of the Corolla, which, by the way, actually is selling, I believe, is selling better than the, uh, uh, than the Prius is at this point. Uh, but they, they also, um, you know, they, they, um, RAV4 hybrid accounts for almost a quarter of RAV4 sales now. Yeah, I, I, there was talk about why they had done that. And, of course, there wasn't a lot of information about it. But I, I don't know. I feel like the, there will probably be a... Just give it time. It hasn't even gotten here. They'll, yet, they'll probably announce you know? it when they give you information about the BZ4X 4000-32. You know, you need you have Super to sort copier. of you have to sort of spread out the news. Automakers are really good at spreading out the news. So we'll 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 get some hybrid Corolla Cross uh, Corolla Cross news probably at like an auto show like early next year, like a proper we're all outside in a big giant warehouse staring at things under bad lighting. Then it'll be like, or in November at the LA Auto Show. Oh yeah, or at the LA at the LA Show. Yeah, that could be. Yeah. All right. Um, let's see what else. Uh, oh, uh, anything about the GR86? Um, they had you know they had it there. <laughs> it, it was there on a stage. No, it, it they that also looks pretty good. They they had that on display for us. It it looks good. They the interior is is um, on that one. They did a lot on that. Like it felt the the eighty six felt kind of like it was harsh looking and it, it looked cheap and it was kind of plasticky. The and this this is greatly upgraded inside. It was worth the oohs and ahs that everyone gave it. Um, and you know it's it's going to be a fun little sporty thing to fling around the road when you when you finally get your hands on it. Have Have you seen the BRZ yeah. in in real life? The new BRZ. I have seen. Uh, I don't know if I've seen it in real life. Have I seen it? I can't remember if I've seen it. I was going to ask you life. what you think of which 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 one looks nicer, or which one would you? I mean, they're the if same car, just, but like, which one do you like? Better? I I like the '86. Something about the '86 appealed to me more because I was, you know, it just I. It was also bright red and beautiful in that <laughs> display, and it's hard not to like a bright red sporty car. I don't know what did they pick the right color. Um, I think I go the EGR '86. I liked how it looked. I thought the interior oh. was good. You know what? And I have to, there was one, I got to mention that what the bronze edition of the Highlander. Is that what it was, Sam? You knew yeah. it. You said yep. it earlier. So that's only because I'm looking at it. Here. Okay. I know I can see him. Not like he's staring at everything right on the screen. Um, so the bronze edition Highlander, which I, 
they say is going to, you know, appeal to a younger crowd and, you know, give it some pop and personality. But we have to put a picture up where somebody has to look for the interior of that car. It has this diamond patterned seats. They're like this fun. And there's some like bronze trim on the seats. Um, and Ed Kim, who is another journalist, pointed out to me, and now this is all I will ever see. It looks like a Romulan thing from Star Trek. It looks like somebody Bird looked at the outfits, the Romulan. Oh. Yeah. No, no, no. The yes. clothes. You know, they're the, oh. the, the, the sort of gray. Yeah. Sam is nodding. It looks just like, so now I will forever think of that as the Highlander Romulan edition. Even <laughs> So somebody that worked on that has to be a nerd because once you see it, it's like, oh my God, that's exactly what it looks like. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Do you see it, Sam? Now that you're looking at it, it's like, oh gosh, yep, yep. There you go. All right, so that's that's all the reason you need to buy a a Highlander Bronze Edition, right? It's the Highlander Romulan Edition. If if you are a Romulan fan, it's 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 the one for you. That's your Huckleberry. Go for that. Yep. Um, In fact, let me uh, make sure I download that now before I forget. All right. (laughs) So, (laughs) um, what about Lexus? Um, They. They showed the LFZ, which they showed in Shanghai. Mm-hmm. Any thoughts on that? Uh, I love the way the front of that looks. I absolutely love <laughs> it. I love that the spindle grill isn't really a spin. I mean, I know it's still there technically, but it, yeah. without all the the black and the little, hey, we're trying to make this look fancy with it making it EV'd, it looks actually really nice. I love the way the front of it looks and the way the lighting effects are done on the front of that. Um, it looks like straight out of the future. It's an attractive looking vehicle. It looks very fancy. And I'm assuming that you can't tell us anything about the new NX. What new NX? That's what exactly. I thought. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, what, uh, what about uh, the Lexus teammate system? Did, did they give you any demo rides or give you a chance to try that out? Uh, they did have the opportunity to try teammate. Unfortunately, due to the timing of my flights, I didn't get to stay to, ah, uh, okay. to experience oh, it. Bummer. So I do not have any firsthand on that, unfortunately. All right. Well, uh, that sounds like they, you know, they, they had a ton of stuff to show off there. Um, but there's there's also more uh, more news coming out uh, this week. By the time this show uh, comes out, it will um, you will the world will have seen the new Ford Maverick, um, which is uh, what something I think Ford is saying is something that nobody saw coming, even though we've seen it coming for months and months, <laughs> <Exactly>. for, for <laughs> years. Uh, this, this is Ford's new compact pickup truck, um, and it's the I think it's yeah it's the first time ford has done a unibody pickup truck uh, so this this is a truck that slots in underneath the ranger it's built on ford's c2 platform architecture which is the same architecture as the escape um, the bronco sport as well as the focus and fiesta that are still sold in europe and in, in uh, asia um, uh, and what do you guys think of this I am a fan of small great. pickup trucks. Bring back Mini Truck and Magazine. That's all I'm going to say. There we go. That's all. That's my <laughs> only. <laughs> I love it. I'm excited. I like small pickup trucks. I, I, I appreciate that people need gigantic full-size pickup trucks that can, you know, do a day's work and go out on the ranch. But I like the idea of the smaller truck that still gives you a little bit of truck utility and capability without, you know, being this giant behemoth that you need a, you know, you could... The, the dimensions of this are SUV-like. You know, they're small enough that you could drive this in a city and not feel like you're going to take out cars along the side because the streets are so narrow. I'm I'm excited about this. 
And I like the name Maverick. Yeah, I, I, th- I think this is going to be um, really interesting to see how well this one does. I mean, th- right now, you know, but this is coming out this fall. Um, you know, it's going to be basically a class of two vehicles, uh, in, at least in the U.S. Yep. The Hyundai Santa Cruz, which is launching this summer. Yes. And the, uh, the Maverick. Uh, the Maverick is about four inches longer than the Santa Cruz. Um, but uh, it's got a more... The, the design is more traditional Ford truck like, you know, not not quite as uh, modern. Uh, yeah, not, not really like modern. Well, in, and the Santa the way, Cruz it, doesn't it, look truck like in a lot of ways. Yeah. It has that little bed on the back. But if you even from this, the profile of it, it doesn't have traditional truck styling to it. It's like you look it's, at it, it and you think, who, what what happened to that SUV or what's going on there? Where the Maverick, you're like little truck. It's like it's more yeah, Baja the, 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 than, the, than truck. Yes, yes. Yeah, love, yeah. Or, or I was going to say the, the original Subaru oh, Brat. Love yep. the Brat. You know, yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, but th- this one, you know, definitely has a more truck shape to it, although, you know, it is a unibody. There's, there's not a separate bed to it. Um, what I think what's, what's really interesting about this, you know, this, so this thing is 11 inches shorter than a Ranger. You know, so if you, if you know the size of a Ranger, this thing is almost a foot shorter than that uh, and a couple of inches lower as well to the ground. But um, I think what's really fascinating is Ford is really pricing this thing aggressively. The starting base price is going to be nineteen, you know, nineteen nine ninety five plus like fifteen hundred dollars. So you know, twenty one, twenty one thousand, twenty one and a half thousand dollars, which makes it the cheapest Ford you can buy in the U.S. And wow! It, it's coming standard with a hybrid powertrain. Um, and it's an, it's an updated version of the hybrid, the new hybrid system that's in the escape, um, it, which, uh, and you get for $21,000, that's what you're going to get is the hybrid 40 miles per gallon city is what they're saying. Uh, you know, and you know, this thing is small enough that, you know, like you said, it is going to be reasonable to drive in the city. You've got a four and a half foot bed. It's got, you know, the cabin is big enough to hold five people, um, you know, as long as they're not too wide uh, in the back seat, uh, you know. So I mean, it's going to be similar, similar size cabin to what you get with a, an Escape or a Bronco Sport. Um, one of the one of the other interesting details about this, you can also get it with an optional two liter turbo four cylinder. Uh, if you get the the two liter EcoBoost um, with all wheel drive, you can um, option it up to, to be able to tow up to four thousand pounds with it, which you know, for a small truck like this is pretty impressive. Uh, but um, you know, one of the, the neat details is wh- you know what they're calling the flex bed, um, because you know they're they're targeting this at you know more entry level. I mean, this is going to be Ford's entry level vehicle in North America, because they don't you know you can't get the Escape or or the Fusion or the Fiesta anymore. This is the cheapest Ford you can Ford branded vehicle you can buy, and so they've done things like mold in to the bed slots and divots where uh, you can. Uh, do some DIY accessories. Uh, like, for example, they show, you know, you can buy an aftermarket bike rack to put mount bikes in the bed, or they give you they give you instructions on how to make your own bike rack for about 45 bucks from a, a two-by-six and a couple of fork mounts and, and some screws. Uh, they also, there's a video and some instructions that you can download for how to build your own bed rails. And there's 12 tie-down hooks in the bed, uh, you know, and the um, uh, the tailgate—they're calling it the multi-position tailgate. Uh, the the bed is wide enough; uh, it's 53 inches wide, so you can put 
four by eight sheets of plywood or drywall in there uh, above the wheel wells. But because it's going to be above the wheel wells, you know, if you just put the, the tailgate down, the, the boards would be slanting down. So they have this multi-position tailgate that allows you to take the, the, the cables off and hook them at a different position so that the bed will be, the tailgate would be halfway down. So it'll support the, the, uh, you know, the boards. So they're actually tilting slightly down into the bed so they don't slide out. Which I think, is a, I think a you're really missing the, the coolest part of it as I'm as I'm reading the giant press release is that the tailgate features tie down clamps that double as bottle openers. So you know, oh, yes, that, they, and they show that in the video too. Yeah, so so yeah, when you when you get to your campsite or whatever, you know, or tailgate party, got you got your bottle opener right there, right there, handy. You don't have to worry about it. It's built into your truck. That's kind of fun, yeah. actually. I I think this is, this is going to be a very interesting segment to watch because you know when they brought the new Ranger out. You know, it was it's substantially larger than the old generation Ranger. You know that a lot of people were fans of. This this Maverick actually slots in. If you remember the size of the old Ranger, and there's actually two of them um, in my neighborhood here, um, near nearby me. Uh, one's a regular cab, and one's the uh, extended cab version. And this actually slots in midway between those two so it's a little bit longer than the regular cab old style ranger but shorter than the extended cab but because it, this you know this one's a, a true four-door you've actually got room you know the back seat people you know actual human beings can sit in the back seat of this thing as opposed to you know in the the old extended cab rangers where they just had the little flip down benches in there mm -hmm. Uh, that you know nobody can really you, sit you there. sit down sideways and just look at the person sitting across from you right yeah pretty much yeah no I think that, that there's all I mean like you said the only real competition in this this size is going to be the Hyundai Santa Cruz which I think is coming out towards the well it's also due this year I believe it's, yeah this summer this summer, said this summer yeah. yeah um so I think this is a neat thing because you know the the full-size truck segment is huge you know that's the f-150 sells a bazillion units every year but there's a lot of people who want something smaller and i think they're doing smaller and more city friendly and just like i want a little bit of truck i don't want a medium it's like that it, despite being the smallest it's going to be the just right size for a lot of people yeah and you know even even in the base form they're saying you know with the the front wheel drive hybrid it can have a 1500 pound payload i think they said you can put like 37 bags of mulch in the back of mulch, this thing, man. For your, for your, always for mulch. mulch run. Always the yeah. mulch, man. It's always the mulch. Uh, yeah. You know, what? What else? And just you know, a lot of neat. Oh, the interior. Um, they the armrests. They did this cutaway design on the armrests, so it's actually like a two-piece armrest where there's there's a missing segment in the middle, which allows you to actually put a one-liter water bottle standing upright in the pocket in the door. Uh, you know, cause they, they, they basically cut away part of the armrest. So it fit in there. Um, you know, just a, a lot of neat touches, you know, and you know, for that starting price of, you know, just over 20 grand, uh, you know, that's, you know, I think the, I don't think, uh, Hyundai has announced official pricing for the Santa Cruz yet. I think most estimates are going to be, or it's going to be somewhere in the mid twenties. So probably around 25, 24, 25 grand. So this is likely to be several thousand dollars cheaper, get 40 miles per gallon, you know, in the base form, the, the the EPA numbers for the Santa Cruz just came out the other day. It's only getting 23 miles per gallon. Ouch. Yeah, so this is going to get 40. 
Um, you know, and it's it's only four inches longer than the Santa Cruz. This is going to be like the little, and I thought this about the Santa Cruz when Hyundai showed it off at the Tucson event. And we got a, like a, a look at it and got some hands-on time with it. It feels like such the like it's not like the act, you know, the active lifestyle thing. But mm-hmm. truly, like it's not just like oh, we're going to make this look rugged so I can throw my bike in the back. It's like no, no, no. We want you to be able to throw your stuff in the back of this and actually use this and have fun with this. Yeah. We're putting cool stuff in here so you can make it whatever you want to make it. If you're at the beach with your friends, if you're going, you know, the mountains with your friends, if you just go into your friend's house and hang out in his backyard, this truck is going to make that more fun. Like it really does feel like the let's go out and have fun truck, not the get work done, although you can get a little bit done with this, just the go out and have fun truck. I I think it's fantastic. From what this is showing us right now, I think it's going to do phenomenal. Bring back the Baja. That's my, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> we, I think we, I think everyone needs to have a nice smaller truck. I, 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 I like the idea of a smaller truck. The, the, the big trucks they don't make for me personally, I don't tow anything. I don't, you know, I don't need a gigantic monstrosity sitting in my, you know, sucking up gas and taking up, you know, more space than my first apartment in San Francisco. I need something small that I can throw stuff in the back. I can pick up mulch. And I swear to God, I pick up mulch all the time. I don't know what happens when you buy a house. Mulch just covers up everything. It's 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 like I haven't yeah. picked up mulch. It's been two weeks since we've gotten mulch, Roberto, and I don't know that I've ever gone that long without buying mulch, and I'm a little off kilter because of it. So you know. Yeah, I, I yeah. I mean, the way my mulch schedule has worked out this year, I, you know, it hasn't worked. It hasn't uh, synchronized with when I've had trucks. So I've actually had to have it delivered. Which. Oh, look Very at you annoying. all fancy Dude, pants. Deliveries. The rest of us wait until we have the appropriate vehicle to haul our mulch home ourselves. <laughs> yeah, but I think a lot of the buzz around the Santa Cruz is going to transfer over to the Maverick um, just because of the price point and the, you know, and, and I remember when you know, when I was in high school, like I'm from a small town with a lot of people who have horses and all the kids wanted a Ranger. They all wanted a Ranger. Everyone wanted the small yeah. truck that they could, you know, throw hay in, but they can go hang out with their friends in and throw all their other stuff in and then maybe haul like a small horse trailer with like a single horse. And, you know, it's no, it, it I feel like those the, the, the small truck, they're coming back and we're going to bring back money truck and magazine. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. And you- I, I, I drove an 80, a 1984 GMC S15 all through college and, you know, first year or two after that. And, and you know, that was that was a great size truck, you know, for for what I needed it for, you know, cause I, you know, my engineering program was a co-op. So I was going back and forth to school, you know, alternating back and forth between school and work every semester. And, you know, so I would just throw all my shit in the back of that thing. It was, it was great. It was fantastic. And, and you know, it was easy on gas. And-, and you guys, just so that you know, that's an official, official truck. There is in fact a Maverick first edition package. So oh, there you go. There like, you because go. if you were if you were questioning it, you know they mean it. There's a first edition package <laughs> and I love this. One of the things is it comes in carbonized gray, area 51 and rapid red, unique Ooh. to the first edition. Area 51. What's area 51? What's that one? It's probably got a little alien like Easter know. eggs on it. <laughs> it could be yeah, green. Probably. It could be like alien oh, yeah. green. Like that electric yeah, I don't, I don't line think, they have I don't think over they showed Toyota. That in the briefing, so I don't know what it looks like. Area 51. I need to know what color is that. Guesses? Yeah. Anybody? I'm going with green because they have red. They have gray. That seems, seems seems reasonable, yeah. right? Yeah. Like those, that that like sort of incredible Hulk like green lanterny green that all the OEMs <laughs> are doing now. <laughs> yeah, and you know, and Ford Ford's been doing some interesting colors. You know, like the the Ranger tremor that I have in the driveway right now, which we'll talk about next week, is in cyber orange. You know, so this thing nice. is even is the names are cool. Very bright. Yeah. 
so yeah, I'll, I'll be curious to see what Area 51 looks like. We should ask. I should ask Ford. Somebody tell me what Area 51 is. It so. might just be Black Edition. That will be so disappointing, Roberto. If it's just it's black, be green. black. Yeah, you can't call that. That has to be Everyone. something like you know. That has to be something else. No, it's not black. Gray, red, and black. It's got to be oh. a bright neon green. Right. I'm gonna Gay, ask someone. Blue, green. It has to be green. I'm going with green. If it's black, I'm gonna be really sad now because I'm expecting bright green. <laughs> all right. Uh, let's see. I think that's all we had for this week. I think we hit everything on the list. Anything else you guys want to talk about? No, or that's it. You got anything exciting coming up this week? I'm going to Seattle. I'm for what? Just because, and I'm going to get to uh, experience the. Just because, Weird. and I'm going to get to drive uh, this week the uh, Jeep Grand Cherokee L. So Ooh, yeah, nice. That'll be the beginning of the week. Start in Detroit, end up in Seattle. I'll be driving a. You going to be in Detroit this week? What's up? You going to be in Detroit? I am going to be in Detroit. For the Grand Cherokee? Or? Yeah. Oh, I didn't get invited oh, for that. Burr. Oh, ouch, sorry. Uh, you know what? You both Bummer. you know what? you both get to go to to drive other cars that I don't get to drive. So. Yeah. <laughs> you know you But you then don't I go, go but then I don't want to. But then I go to things and they're like, "Hey, I think it's just the way of the <laughs> the, the job." <laughs> Yep. You just never know. One week you get you're going twenty places, the next week you get to sit home. Just it's all about balance. So Yeah. All right. Uh anything you got anything else, Robbie? I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about the car I'm driving next week. I will have the four X E though. Or four by E, not the four X E. I'm sorry. Four by E, okay. not four X E, four by E. I will have yes. the four by E next week as well. But I'm driving something else. I I can't remember if I'm allowed to say what I'm gonna be driving next week. All right. Okay, well, so when we we'll, we we'll stop recording, that. you need to tell us because okay. that's not yeah. fair. So that means that that means that everybody has to come back and listen to the next show to find yeah. out the mystery what vehicle did Robbie that Robbie drive. will yeah. be driving. Tune in next. <laughs> is week. it the Area Fifty One Maverick? <laughs> he knows what the color is. He's not telling me. <laughs> Black as night. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, thanks everybody for listening, and um, make sure you uh, stay subscribed and tell your friends about the show. And we will see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.